This is Sam Anderson, lead pastor at Central Church. Thank you for listening to the Central Church Podcast. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. And to keep up with everything happening in our faith community, visit centralchurch.cc. I'm just going to jump right into it. We, um, we talk through the Gospels. If you've been listening or reading along, uh, we've gone through the Gospels. The Gospels are the stories, the accounts of Jesus' life, Jesus' ministry, ministry, um, ministry, his crucifixion, his resurrection, uh, and then the, the call that Jesus gives to his followers, right, that we call the Great Commission, go and spread the Gospel to the ends of the earth. We've walked through that and given you context to that. Today we start a new uh, kind of chunk of New Testament, and we call these the epistles. Have you guys ever heard this word? The epistles. Anybody know what an epistle is? Anybody know what one is? No? Huh? Letter. Yes, thank you. It's a letter, okay? It's a letter that is written back then to instruct, okay? And so um, what what I'm going to do before I jump into this, I want to let you know kind of the way that I'm going to approach this this morning. Um, I didn't want to just give you all head knowledge. I didn't just want to tell you all the background to this and make you see why it makes sense and why it's important and feed your mind. I wanted to give you enough to to stimulate your mind, but then to feed uh, your soul as Paul, I think, intended to do with the epistles. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to read what I wrote to set this up, okay? So uh, I'm just going to read it straight off of here. But then I want to share with you what I think is Paul's heart that runs through all 13 of these letters or epistles, okay? There's, there's 13 of them, Paul, uh, Pauline epistles, which means that Paul uh, was thought to have, have authored 13 of them. Catholic tradition adds even more epistles to it, right? Like uh, James and all these other ones because of the style of writing that they're in and the instruction and content in them. And so um, the epistles, the 13 letters, I'm going to set these up and then I want to share with you the common thread that runs through them. So let me pray real quick, then I'm going to read you the setup. I'm going to share with you what I think the heart of it is. So let's pray. Dear, dear Jesus, God, I pray this morning that you would uh, show us, show us something new. And even if it's not new, Jesus, I pray that you would show us these things in a new way. A lot of us are hearing these things for the first time. A lot of us uh, are hearing these for the 50th time or 500th time. But God, I pray that we wouldn't grow tired of hearing these things or that these things just become routine. But God, I pray that you would show them to us in light of how they were intended. Father God, that they would do the work in us spiritually that they were intended to do in us. Father God, when you gave the inspiration to write them, Jesus. I pray, God, that you would meet us here this morning in your name. Amen. Amen. So I'm just going to read this to you, and then we'll go from there. So uh, today we're setting up what you guys will be reading for the next little while. The, uh, it's, like I said, 13-plus letters, uh, and, and so that will take up a little bit of your reading, or if you're listening along, you're listening. So this will set that up, okay? Uh, some of my favorite content in the Bible is found in the epistles. Th- this chunk of scripture is known in the, as the epistles because these are the letters that were believed to be mostly written by the Apostle Paul with possibly two to three other contributors, but by and large, mostly Paul. Uh, these letters, there's 13 Pauline letters, uh, but Catholic tradition counts even more as epistles. 
uh, they were written with two primary purposes, okay? There's a lot of things to be found in there. There's a lot of gems if you want to get into it and study it and dig it up. There's a lot in there. But the two primary purposes that I want to put before you are this so you can see how relevant they are. Number one, uh, the primary purpose of an epistle is to exhort and instruct believers in spiritual growth and in local church function. And number two is to exhort and instruct pastors and church leaders in spiritual growth and local church functions, okay? So Paul's writing this knowing that the church is fresh, the church is new, the church is growing, the church is experiencing different challenges and obstacles. Believers have a lot of questions. What's okay? What's not okay? What teaching is uh, sound? What teaching is profitable? What do we listen to? What do we ignore? And so Paul is addressing this for you and I, regular churchgoers and believers, but then Paul and, and some of the other epistles, like Timothy, he's writing this specifically to a church leader, and he's instructing them, here is how you conduct church. Here's the qualifications for a leader. Here's what you want to stay away from in a leader. If somebody wants to be a leader, but they got all these red flags, that's a no-no. Leave them alone, right? Like, these are very practical applications for the church and for church leaders. So when you're reading this, you can be confident reading it that this is for you. All of scripture is for you, for me, if we're believers, but this is very practical. It's almost like a, a blueprint or a manual that Paul put together and said, hey, here, here's, here's the bones of this. He, if you want to kind of know the, 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 the idea of this, the punch of it, the one-two of it, check these out. These are the 13 letters that he has written through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit for the church and for church leaders, Okay. Uh, so, as a result, these letters to the churches are some of the best reading for believers when it comes to practical application of faith. So, taking you through the backgrounds and nuances of 13 plus uh, books of the Bible, the epistles, would be a task too big for 13 sermons, let alone one. So, we're not going to do that. Uh, instead, I want to approach this differently. I don't want to get you, like I said before, I don't want your head to be so full of knowledge that you have no appetite for a spiritual experience or application. I want to share with you Paul's heart, which is the common thread in all of his letters. So here's Paul. Paul was known in Jewish circles as Saul. Saul. Some of you guys have heard that Saul had an uh, encounter with Jesus, and when he was known as Saul, boom, he, you know, all these things happen, he meets Jesus, and then all of a sudden he starts calling himself a different name. Um, some people think that is the case. Some people think uh, that it was actually a, a uh, social thing. To the Jewish circles, he was Saul, and to the Roman circles, he was Paul. So he was Saul to some, Paul to some. If you guys know who 50 Cent is, it's like 50 Cent and Curtis Jackson. No? Okay. It's like, um, who else? I don't know. It's like Sean Combs and P. Diddy. I'm only thinking of rappers. They're the ones with, they're the, ones with the weird names, okay? It's like, um, who else? Who? Oh, okay, that's perfect. Who it's like The Rock and Dwayne Johnson. Yeah, okay. The Rock. I love talking about The Rock. Okay. Peter, the, the corners. Okay, so, uh, so The Rock, okay? So the, we're talking about The Rock now. We went from Twilight to The Rock. So he was Saul in the Jewish circles and Paul in the Roman ones, okay? He originally bragged and referred to himself, and you can find this in scripture, as the Jew of all Jews. That means that he was the dude. When it came to Jewish customs and keeping the law and uh, things that Pharisees care about, Paul had it down. He, he says in scripture multiple times, he's like, man, listen, if you want to talk to somebody who, who had every right to be self-righteous, I'm the guy. If anybody had a right to be that guy, I have the right to be that guy. 
as far as keeping the law, nobody kept the law better than me. As far as knowing the law, nobody knew it better than me. As far as being able to argue it and defend it, nobody could do that better than I can. Paul was a champion for Judaism, and he was ferocious about making sure nothing came against that and that way of life and that teaching. So Saul set out. He was like a protege, right? And so when, when Saul set out, he was driven to stop anything that would rival Christianity. So this, uh, some of you guys may not be surprised, but uh, this sent Paul out kind of on a war path. He was, he was going out. He was seeking Christians to persecute, lock them in jail, tear apart families, uh, put some of them to death, right? Uh, do anything he could to, to snuff out Christianity. So he set out to erase Christianity from the face of the earth. But in the process, he had a very real encounter with Jesus. And in a stunning turn of events, he becomes a Christian himself. You guys may have heard this story on the road to Damascus. Paul sets out, uh, well, Saul sets out to uh, find and persecute Christians and to stop it from spreading where it's going. And uh, Paul saw it like a virus, like a cancer, and it was just spreading, and he was trying to remedy it. And so on his way, he encounters Christ on the road to Damascus. He uh, gets his sight taken from, from, I'm trying to be polite, God removed it from him. God blinded him, and he's like, hey, if you, um, if you, want, you want to see again, uh, he held his sight for ransom. I got your sight. You want to see your sight again? Well, you want to see again? Then uh, he's like, you need to find a Christian, and instead of persecuting them, have them pray for you. That's the only way you're going to see again. So Saul's like, dang, I guess I got to. Finds one, gets prayed for, has his sight restored, and uh, through that interaction, that transaction, he uh, converts to Christianity, goes and is baptized immediately, and then goes out and instead of stopping Christianity and trying to stunt the growth of the church, he becomes one of its main champions of growth and one of his fierce people. I said it like this when I wrote it down, it just, you know... Uh, what he was first hell-bent on stopping the church, he now became a heaven-sent-to and was relentless in spreading. Paul was a church planter and a missionary who started anywhere between 14 and 20 new churches in unfriendly areas. It's not like today when we see churches go out and they'll buy an arena. You know, like the Pistons move out of the Palace of Auburn Hills, so Joel Osteen comes in and buys it up, and now we got a church. It, th these are churches in hostile areas, areas where people are opponents to the gospel, opponents to the kingdom mentality, the kingdom message, to this Jesus figure. And Paul would go to these areas and start a new church. And so what he would do is he would go, he would start a church, he would get it running for a while, and then he would raise up and disciple a young leader and put them as the pastor. Boom, now you're the pastor, take care of this, I'm going to go start another. So he would start another, raise up a pastor, boom, let me start another. Four, uh, uh, scholars argue between 14 known and upwards of 20 that we don't have record of that Paul started. He was also a missionary whose missionary's journey, missionary journeys took him to several different countries, over 10,000 miles traveled and around 32 years of ministry. This was before cars, planes, trains, motorboats, and even paved roads or UPS or the postal service. That means that Paul did all of this from scratch, just dogging it out. It's pretty incredible. Paul would later be martyred for his faith by being beheaded in Rome. In all of his writings and all of his preaching, Today, what I want to share with you is not a synopsis of all of them. Obviously, you're going to be reading those. If you want to know those, read them, listen to them, take them in, and study them for yourself. There's plenty of goodies in there. 
But what I do want to share with you today is what I believe Paul's heart for the church then and the church now would be. So I'm going to share with you guys Ephesians uh, before I read that verse to you. Uh, the context of this very briefly is this is during a, a prison stay for Paul in Rome. So as you're listening to this, keep in mind that Paul is either uh, like speaking this and, and somebody is writing it down to deliver it for him. Or Paul is writing this. And I read this. This is a cool fact. Uh, Paul, um, theologians and scholars said that you would always know one of Paul's writings because even if somebody else wrote it down for him, Paul would always opt to have them put the actual hard copy in front of him that he could sign himself as a stamp of approval. So when a church one of Paul's writings in, it could have been in, you know, Timothy or somebody else's handwriting, but at the bottom it would be like, this is certified by Paul. He signed off for the delivery, right? And so people saw them like, yo, this is a Paul, this is a first generation Paul writing right here. This is good stuff. And so Paul always signed off on these things. So this happened while Paul was in prison in Rome for his faith and would later be beheaded for that same faith. He's writing this. This is to the church in Ephesus, but this was believed to be a circulatory letter, which meant that Paul would write this. And it was generally to Ephesus, but he wrote it with, with, with enough broad writing and enough broad speech to address things that this could be copied and then distributed to other churches. So this was like a handbook or like a training that Paul wrote and meant to be handed out and circulated to other churches. So that's Ephesians. So uh, Paul's writing this from the jail in Rome. Ephesians 3.14 is where we'll start. But to lead up to this, Paul is kind of recounting his own journey and the journey of these churches that he started. And, and Paul is like, yo, like, th this, is, this is crazy. Like, the love of God and the power of God to do what he's doing is just crazy. And I, and I wish and I pray that you would know. And, and verses 1 through 13 of this, uh, this chapter, he's like, man, listen, I, I didn't know these things. There's no way I could have known these things. But, but because of God's own will, he revealed these things to me to pass off to you right, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to pass off to you so that way we could all be united around this and, and, and we can see these things that nobody's seen before and we can experience God in ways that nobody's experienced before. And you can just feel if you're reading this from a man who knows that he's going to die at the hands of the Roman Empire and he's locked in jail, but you hear how much he's talking about joy and excitement and faith. You can feel the tension coming from him that's like, man, I just really want you to to, to, to experience this for yourself because I'm not even worried about who's going to cut my head off. I'm worried about you understanding this, grasping this, and this being a reality in your life. That's my goal before I go. And so Paul, in verse 14, taking from there, from that thought, he says this. He says, when I think of all this, I fall to my knees and I pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Pause. He makes his home as you trust in him. Your trust allows the room for him to, to occupy. When we go back on our own way and when we refuse to trust God, every time we do that, we, we give him an eviction notice and make him move out. And then when we come back to him and we're like, hey, well, I, I want to do this your way. I want to trust you again. We're clearing out that room and inviting him back in to take a residency again. 
Paul says he will make his home, his residence, not his temporary stay, not his hotel visit. He will make his home in your heart as you learn to trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. You got to be rooted. You got to have some skin in the game. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. I want to I say this real quick. Paul, if there was anybody that, that God could have had a perfect excuse to just wreck to just completely demolish and make a fool out of, it would have been Paul. This is the guy who was begging for it. You know, have you ever been on, like, you, you know, like a schoolyard bully? And they're just pushing people around. People are drinking. They're just smacking drinks out of people's hands. They're just picking on people. And you know what you always say? Man, that kid is begging for it. That kid is asking for it. That kid, all it's going to take is one person to just boom, and that kid is going to completely, right? Paul was that guy to God. He was begging for it. He was walking around to the church all day. Oh you, oh, you guys are having house church in here? You're dead. Your mom's going to jail. Raise yourself, right? Like Paul was a savage. He was begging for wrath. Here's the funny part. Paul in here is not saying, once you understand that God could totally obliterate you, you will come to him and you will, you, you'll do what he wants you to do. What he says here is what will actually change you is understanding how long, how high, how deep his love is. Of God's goodness leads people to change lives. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to fully understand. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Check this out. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us. I want you to remember that. To accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. So here's what I think, okay. I think in 13 letters, there's a lot of things that Paul is addressing. There's specific issues that Paul will address if you read through those things, if you listen in on those things. You will hear Paul talk about some nitty-gritty things. You'll hear Paul get into the weeds a little bit, and he'll unpack some stuff that will kind of make you cringe if you really listen to it. Paul is no doubt more than willing to step on your toes at a moment's notice at for, I should say, the purpose of giving you truth. He's not worried about your comfort. He's worried about you knowing what's really up. But I think Paul's heart that unifies all of his letters to all the churches, to all the pastors, to all the ministries, to all the locations, all the places, I think this sums it up. If you read through it, Paul is trying to train people and raise people up. Paul is trying to get people to grab onto faith for themselves. Paul is trying to get people to understand that this is not a spectator sport. That, that there's more to it than just occupying a seat on a Sunday. And I think this is relevant to us and our church today because I think if Paul were here, first of all, him and I would have a secret handshake because he's a G. And if Paul were here, I think what Paul would probably say is, is if, if I could say this, and you may not jive with this, but I think this, this, this might be the mood. Your faith is not restricted to social media. 
Your faith is not a faith that you should be able to just, just brag about in 150 characters or less in a tweet. Your faith is not a faith that you come in on Sunday morning and you sit on and then after you watch somebody worship, after you sing along karaoke style to the words on the screen, after you listen and maybe agree, maybe disagree with whoever's up here talking to you, then you go home, you forget about it until next week, and then you pick it back up and try it again. Paul is saying this is not what it's all about here. Paul is saying, listen, there, there's something bigger going on here. Don't you understand that I was on my way to kill people who love God. In that process, when God should have met me and crushed me, God met me and had grace on me and led me back to him. And now since coming back to him, the only thing that I can think about doing is telling you to go and do the same thing. And then after I tell you to go and do the same thing, the only thing I can think about telling you to do after that is tell, telling other people and training other people to go and do the same thing. It runs my life, I think Paul would say. Paul is sitting in a jail. Some of y'all in this room and you're like, we need to crank that AC up. Paul was in a Roman jail, which would have been located under the streets in Rome where people walked and cows were pooping and horses were clip-clopping by. There would have been a gutter in the road that Paul would have been down underneath, sweating, stinking, hot, everybody going to the bathroom around him, people crying out, being tortured, Paul being freshly tortured, Paul having death imminent, looking him in the face, and Paul is sitting here writing, if you could only grab on to the love that God has for you and get rooted in that it will change everything about you this is what Paul is saying this is what Paul wants you to know when Paul is writing to the 13 churches he's not going man we need to you know what if I think about when I met Jesus on that road here's what I think needs to happen I think Jesus told me that I need to stay at this one church and I need to grow this church to like 5,000 people and then we need to have a really banging tv program and then we need to have a really banging I, I, there's nothing wrong with that with the right heart and the right intentions. But, but I don't think that's, that's the heart here. I think what Paul is saying is this. I start churches because people need church. I train leaders because people need good, trustworthy pastors to come to, to learn how to go out and do the same thing. I tell them about the gospel because they need the gospel. I tell them about how I should have been taken care of, but, but God didn't handle me that way. Mafia style, not really taken care of like breakfast in bed. I mean like taken care of. Like he should have been off, but God didn't do me like that. God had grace on me. And if I could go from being a Jew of all Jews to identify, listen to how he identifies himself. I was the Jew of all Jews. And then he goes and identifies himself as the chief of all sinners. Self-righteousness, pride, arrogance, bloodthirst, to being, I'm, I'm the lowest of the low. You don't understand the things that I've done, that I could have done. I am the chief. I am the worst of the worst. But God the thing that changed me, that I need you, 13 churches, church leaders, pastors, central church, the church back then, the church right now, the thing I need you to know is this, that if you would anchor yourself in experiencing God's love for yourself, it'll change you. Some of us don't want to be changed. I'm not coming down on anybody. Some of us don't want to be changed. 
I sat in church for a long time. I sat in ministry. I was in ministry at churches for a long time and didn't want to be changed. It's nice to be comfortable. It's nice to tell yourself you're doing enough. It's nice to feel like God is calling that person but not you. If you want to be safe, but I, I don't think any of us has that luxury. What Paul is saying here, I mean, if you go back and look, he literally says, unlimited resources, power, inner strength, and spirit, then Christ will come. If you trust him, your roots will grow down, and you may have the power to understand as all God's people should. Paul is saying this, experience Jesus for yourself. Don't, don't anchor yourself in worry, anxiety, fear, punishment, retribution that you might get for what you did 10 years. Anchor yourself in the fact that God's love is perfect. God's love is bigger than you or I could ever comprehend. God's love is deep, it's wide, it's long, it's vast. And once you grab that, that is enough to hook you and pull you in. And once you get in here, there's, you have no, no other option but to change. This isn't about what, 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 how, how close can we get to Jesus while still being how we, want, how we want to be. How close can I get to Jesus but still toe the line to have what I want? How close can I get to Jesus and this loving everybody thing but still stand under my political banner? How close can I get to standing under this flag while still claiming this flag? Let me tell you something. The, 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 there's no flag that you should be flying higher than the flag of your faith. And if you are, this is not Christianity. This is not Jesus. Paul said you need to be so driven by faith, by the love of God that it changes you and that what becomes your chief operative is the fact that you are going out and you are telling somebody, sharing something, living differently. This should change you. I'm sorry for coming on strong. <laughs> like I was writing this last night and I had these thoughts circulating through my head for days. What do I want to say? I can't cover 13 letters. What's the heart of this? What's, what's the soul of this? What, what really needs to be said from these letters? And, and, and I had this tension I had this feeling in my chest that I just needed to get up and go for a walk. Like, I needed to get, get the energy out somewhere. I had such this tension inside of me, but I think it's because this, this isn't a thing that, that I just want to sit up here and yell at you. Look, we don't want to change. Listen, but we need to change. Paul wrote these letters not to say, hey, how's the church? How's the, is Timothy keeping up with your seats? We need to order, order new chairs. Timothy, uh, was Dunkin' Donuts good or we need to go to that, that homemade donut place? Timothy, how's the screen look? Is it bright? We need, we need a new projector bulb? These things are all, all, all good, but they're not the point. Paul's saying the point is not for you to come here and, and stay here and get in your car one day a week and meet here and then go home feeling so good, so cool. I got this. And then go to work and act the same. Go to school and act the same. Go shop somewhere and be rude to somebody just because. Give people the finger out in traffic. That's hard. Y'all heard my story about anger. I've had people throw stuff at my car, and it took God for me to not go Tony Soprano. <laughs> but here's the thing. If we're not willing to change, then what are we doing? Look at me. If we are not willing to change, what are we doing? If we're here and we're content to watch a show and to hear a good message... 
but then we don't intend on doing anything on the other side of those doors, what are we doing? Because it's not what Paul wrote about. Let me tell you this, verse 20. Why is this important? Why is this, why, okay, look, Rich, I get it. Okay, okay, God loves me. This love's big. I'll look into it more. I'll pray about it. I pray that he just comes and gives me a big old hug tonight. He's going he's to love me more. I get it, man. I'm rooted in his love. This is subtle. We can read this whole big passage and then miss this, this one little line he throws at the bottom. But verse 20 says this. You may experience the love of Christ. This is verse 19. Though it's too great to understand fully. Then after you experience the love of Christ. After you experience it. Not after you hear Rich talk about it. After you hear Sam talk about it. After you hear Lauren and Tony and the band talk about it. After you hear Bob hit a sick guitar solo. As we sing about it. Not as you experience for yourself the love of Christ, though it's too great to understand fully, then at that point, after you experience it for yourself, at that point, then you will be made complete with fullness of life and power. Sometimes we don't like to talk about the power of the Holy Spirit. We ain't talking about nothing weird. Here's the thing. Jesus said plainly, hey, if I go to heaven, it's better that I go because when I go, I'm going to send my spirit to do greater things in you and through you. You need the power of the Holy Spirit. We are driven by the power of the Holy Spirit. He says it right here. Verse 20, let me show you. Here's why it's important for you to be rooted in God's deep, wide, robust love. This is why. Not so that you can just feel loved and we can be like, yo. This is why. Verse 20. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us, his power at work within you, not what you can muster yourself, not what you can do yourself, what you do by his power in you, by his helper that he sent you in the Bible, it's there, by that power that works within us, check it out, to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. You know what that implication is? That when his power is made full in you and it starts to overflow in your life, there's something that he wants for us to accomplish. That means that there's a goal. You don't, how do you know you accomplished anything if you never set a goal? If there's no target, if there's no, you don't know. The fact that he says when, when all this is made full in you and, and the power is working within you, he's able to do, once you have a life laid down and that power is working in you, he's able to do infinitely more. He's able to accomplish infinitely more through you than you could ever imagine. That means that there is something that you and I are supposed to do. There is something that you and I are supposed to be a part of. And this isn't a thing this morning where I'm trying to clobber you. This is a thing this morning where I'm trying to say, hey, listen, if any of us, myself included, are at a place where we have settled, we don't need to. God's called us to more. If, if we're at a place where we're okay with the day in, day out, mundane grind of things, that's cool. But, but you don't have to settle for that. God's called you for bigger things. Scripture says that when his power works through you, he will accomplish infinitely more than you can ask or imagine or think. He will blow your mind. 
with what he can use you to do. There is something he wants to use you to do, but that will not happen until we root ourselves, like Paul said, in this deep and wide and expansive love. Once you experience it for yourself, you have no option but to change. And when you change, God will work through you to accomplish what he has set out to accomplish. That's a beautiful thing. The God of the universe wants to use you and I. He's called us on the field to be part of the team. The problem is this. Have you ever watched little kids play football? Anybody? Like a Pop Warner game? I coached like, like half a season of Pop Warner football a few years ago. And the number one thing I had to keep telling these kids, ready? Quarterback would either hike the ball, hike, and throw a lateral pass, or they'd hike the ball and pitch it or hand it off for a run. And the number one thing that I would have to tell these kids to do, run that way. You go that way. Because they would get the ball and they'd be like, uh, 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 uh. And they'd see people coming at them to tackle them and they'd run backwards. Oh, <laughs> I'm going to retreat. Or, or, okay, I can't go backwards because coach is going to be yelling at me. So I'm not going to go that way. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run sideways. I'm going to make it look like I'm trying to figure out an alternate route. I'm going to look busy. That's it. Going that way is scary. There's people that oppose me. There's challenges that I'm going to face. There's defenders blocking my way to the goal. So instead of running towards the goal, I'm going to look busy. I'm just going to run sideways. No, no progress is going to be made, but I won't go backwards. That's the good news. And we'll just stay where we're at, and I'll look like I gave my best effort. And I would have to go, hey, 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 run. Run that way. You're not going to score a point unless you go that way, dude. Put your head down. Put your head. You're, you got pads on. Take, take the contact. Take the hit. But run forward. Keep your feet moving forward. And I think that the heart of what Paul is trying to say is this. Do not be in your faith or in church and just be running plays sideways, backwards, getting the ball. You know what some of them would do when, when they'd hand the ball off to them? They'd get so afraid because they'd see defenders coming at them. And they'd be like, Ugh, and they'd throw the ball back to somebody else. Uh, 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 you take it. Don't, don't be at this point in your faith where, where Paul is saying this. This is not me. I, I think Paul's heart in this is saying, hey, listen, here's, here's the idea. God wants to hand everybody off a ball to run towards the goal. God wants to accomplish that. And there's going to be trials that come against you. But don't stop. Don't give up. You know what's going to pad you and cushion you from the opposition? God's love. Being rooted in that. Knowing the play. Knowing the coach. Knowing what you should be doing. That's your padding. That's your armor. Paul says over and over in scripture, put on the full armor of God. And then in other places he says, run with perseverance. Run. Do not give up. You'll grow weary, but don't stop. Keep going. In other words, hey, Johnny. Johnny, run that way. Uh, 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 uh. No, don't throw the ball. Don't pass. What God has put in your hand, don't give to somebody else to avoid the blow. What God has called us to do, we can't just run around and look busy with. When God has equipped us with his spirit, according to Paul, there's things that he wants to accomplish with each of us, but we have to determine to lower our head, to be rooted in this to know the play, to know the coach so well, so intimately that we trust in him. He makes us home in our heart. We have his armor. We have his strength. We have his spirit. You lower your head. You keep running forward. There's something that you are supposed to accomplish, and it's not church attendance. And it's not posting about how Trump is a Christian. 
And it's not arguing with people about whether cops are racist or not. We got issues. We got issues. I see him, you see him. We got issues. Why don't we pray about it before you tweet about it? Why don't we ask God to intervene before we think that our social justice tweet is going to, you know what would be more beneficial? If we write a book instead of writing one. Paul said, lower your head and get to work. Be encouraged. There's nothing you can do that can separate you from God's love. But to one of the 13 churches, if you're one of the leaders, if you're one of the people that just attend, it doesn't matter. God's called you to do something. Now get up and go do it. That's all I have for you. My heart for you is that. It's Paul's heart for you. I think if you read through, and when you read through the 13 letters, you'll see Paul talking to different churches with different issues. But he's calling them all out of that to see past that and to move on to the goal that God wants to accomplish by his spirit and grace in us. And that's for you today. Do not leave here thinking that you're the one person in the room that God does not have a plan for. Do not leave here thinking that you're the one person in the room that God doesn't want to use. If he could use the Jew of all Jews, the arrogant of the most arrogant, the killer of Christians, turn his heart to being convicted of being the chief of all sinners, but use him to write over a quarter of the New Testament and to plant almost 20 churches, travel 10,000 miles on foot to share the gospel, I think he could use us. Let me pray for you this morning. Now I want to invite you. I really don't, I really didn't want to preach at you and have you leave here feeling heavy and hurt and, oh man, I just, I'm not doing enough. Listen, this isn't a, you're not doing enough, you should feel like dirt thing. This is a, hey, listen, I'm not doing enough. But praise God because there's more that he calls us to. And with his help, we'll get to it. I want you to leave here feeling like God has a purpose and a plan for you and he seeks to accomplish it and he doesn't leave you alone in it. He gives you the power to do it and assists you in it. All you have to do is keep moving the ball. Let me pray with you. Jesus. Thank you for listening to the Central Church Podcast. We hope this has encouraged you, inspired you, and you experience life change. If you are unable to attend our Sunday gatherings but still want to support this faith community, visit our giving page at centralchurch.cc. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes.